In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. Welcome to another episode of Strange Planet. Imagine going about your life, you're a skeptic when it comes to the paranormal, maybe even a doubter. Maybe you totally discount the idea of an unseen world, life after death, and then something changes. Something dramatically alters the trajectory of your life. That's what happened to my guest tonight. Curry Stegan is host of the Passion for the Paranormal podcast which is uh, now in its fifth year. He's a retired Air Force Reserve officer. And uh, he's been involved in paranormal investigating for several years. Recently published his first book, Walking in the Shadows of Strangers, where he documents his journey of close to, I don't know, five, 10 years investigating the paranormal. He created the Passion for the Paranormal podcast in 2017. And uh, he's just, by all accounts, having an amazing time doing the show and a uh, great pleasure to welcome Curry Stegan to Strange Planet. How are you, Curry? Doing good, Richard, and uh, it's great to be on with you. Take us back to what changed the trajectory of your life. As I mentioned, you were, uh, you were a doubter, a skeptic, and then you became a bona fide believer. What happened? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's kind of a long journey and a long story, but uh, uh, going back to about, 2005 time frame uh became a big fan of kind of watching the the uh ghost hunters show not that uh i was sold on the idea of ghosts and hauntings at the time but i thought it was entertaining and i enjoyed watching it with my wife and uh you know throughout the years especially into my adult life i had a lot of family, friends uh, that would share their stories with me. Uh, they had a paranormal encounter, a ghost story. Uh, and, you know, I just continue to hear stories from other people. They'd share their stories with me. And I thought, well, you know, that was an interesting story. And that person seems to be pretty sane to me. 
And uh, I don't think that uh, they're they're embellishing or, you know, making the story up um, by in any fashion. And so, you know, I had so many stories shared with me and I I always came back to the fact, though, you know, what do you hear a lot of people say? Well, I'll believe it when it happens to me. Right. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where I was. Uh, you know, I had Greg Lawson on the show the other night. He wrote the book, How to Be a Paranormal Detective. Mm. And we talked about this spectrum of people out there all the way from the person that pretty much believes just about everything they hear or see all the way to the other end of the spectrum where you have the doubter or the cynic. Um, so I like to refer to myself as a curious skeptic. I kind of sat somewhere in the middle. Uh, I was not sold initially on the idea that ghosts and hauntings were happening, uh, but I was always still open to it. And then Started watching again, 2005 time frame. I started kind of watching the Ghost Hunter show with my wife and thought it was entertaining and enjoyed it. Uh, but fast forward to 2013 time frame, and uh, I had a friend of mine that uh, forwarded a, a uh, event that was a uh, ghost hunting event that was happening uh, just a little north of me here in Brigham City, Utah. And uh, my wife and I had talked it over and we thought, why don't we just, uh, you know, go check this thing out? And uh, why not? You know, I, I was curious, uh, you know, so we did. That's exactly what we did. We drove up to Brigham City. Uh, we went to the event and, uh, you know, we went along with the, uh, the, the host of the event and uh, his team and, uh, just a, went around to this old mill. It was an old mill where they made old wool, wool blankets. I mean, this location goes all the way back to the mid to later 1800 timeframe, um, you know, all the way up into, I want to say the 1980s, maybe when it closed. Um, and there was a lot of history there. And the host knew a lot of, a lot of information about uh, the history there. And so we went along on the event and I actually ended up having a couple of my own personal experiences at that event. Such as? And, uh, well, I'll give you one example. Um, and it really wasn't anything I experienced with anybody else who was along for the event. I was walking out of one of the buildings to go back to my vehicle. And uh, there's a little kind of walkway between two buildings this is a big facility. It's an old mill. And I'm walking uh, kind of in a little walkway here. And I look up at uh, the, it's, I think it was a three-story building uh, where they did a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the work operations at this old mill. And I look up in the window and I see this green orb looking kind of light just floating there. So um, just to back up a little bit, we were in, broke, divided up into two different groups at this location. Uh, and uh, I just told the group I was with, I had to run out to the car. I had to grab another flashlight. I was grabbing, I think I was grabbing a flashlight for my wife. And uh, I just happened to look up and catch this strange glowing green orb or light. And uh, 
I was pretty certain there was no one up there on that floor at the time, but uh, I did stop and kind of yell up there just to see if there was anybody up there. No response. And uh, so I sat there and watched and this kind of green ball of light just kind of floated up towards the ceiling and then it just disappeared. Open window. I, was there glass panes in the building? Uh, the, yeah, they were there were there were windows, but some of the windows were broken out. Uh, and the you know, my first thought is somebody shining one of those colored flashlights. Um, but there were you know, I come to find out there was the the other group that was in another location. They were clear on the other side of the building when I saw this. And so I just thought it was really strange. You know, I'm not looking in a camera or anything like that. So it's not dust or, you know, <laughs> something like that. But this ball of light just kind of floats up and then it just disappears. Mm. And uh, again, I confirmed that nobody was up there in that part of the building at that time. So I thought that was kind of unusual. I uh, went to the car. I think I grabbed a flashlight and I came back and we finished going on the tour and doing the event. And as we're finishing up, we're we're leaving. We're getting ready to go to the parking lot. And there's this old kind of a storage building uh, at the location. And we're walking past it. And I was ahead of the rest of the group. And I peek in and I see this shadow just quickly. The the, the shadow of a person. It wasn't a car. It wasn't anything. It just dashed across the wall. And uh, I know the based on the direction the shadow was moving and the fact that the rest of the group were behind me, I couldn't, there was nothing to explain where that shadow was coming from. Uh, so that was kind of unusual. Those were my two first experiences. Uh, and uh, it just kind of went from there. I had a sister-in-law that uh, was already working with a paranormal group here in northern Utah. And uh, so she had uh, invited me to come along with the group. And so I eventually applied to be a member of the group, and they invited me along on an event. And, you know, Richard, to tell you the truth, I, with my kind of skeptical nature, I thought, you know, I'm going to give this a try. And maybe nothing will ever happen. And, uh, you know, I'll try it maybe three or four times and say, well, you know, nothing happened here. But it just really did not happen that way. Uh, I went on an event with the Paranormal Group uh, is a location here in Ogden. I, I live here in Ogden, Utah, just up the, the canyon and uh, did an event with a group, had a couple of, of uh, experiences on that uh that investigation as well. And so, you know, it just, it exceeded my expectations. I didn't really know if I would experience anything. And tell you the, to tell you the truth, I really had low expectations. I thought, well, maybe I'll go try this out and say, there's really nothing to this. Right? So was it, was it a cumulative type thing where you saw, you, you saw the, the strange orb through a, third story window you saw a you got a fleeting glance of a some sort of a strange shadow entity perhaps you went on other investigations was it kind of gradual and and uh cumulative or was there one particular incident that just really sealed the deal for you yeah that's that's a good point i think it was just a culmination of experiences uh, and uh, I'll give you one more case in point. Um, so the host of the event, of this original event we went to, uh, we were chatting with him and just trying to find out 
if there were other locations that were cool to go visit, you know, again, I'm just filling it out, trying to, you know, uh, find out if there's other locations. I wasn't a part of the paranormal group yet. And he mentioned a location um, and uh, it, it's out north of uh, Tooele in the Ochre Mountains, I should say south of Tooele. Uh, and uh, it's basically all that's left of this old mining town. The name of the uh, former mining town was Marker, Utah. And the only thing left standing there is an old, very, very old cemetery up on a hill. Now, just for your listeners, I don't go around trespassing in cemeteries and I don't go into cemeteries. This is maybe the exception to the rule, but he did talk about how they went out there and had some experiences at that location. So a couple of weeks after the event, I somehow, this is early November here in Northern Utah, which is usually a pretty cold time. It's already getting pretty cold here. Uh, it was unseasonably warm believe it or not early November I want to say it was the first week in November and I somehow convinced my wife to make the trip out there uh you know we looked up the directions on the internet and I somehow <laughs> convinced her to take a trip with me out there and and hey my wife uh she gets spooked easy I'll just say that um and so it took a lot for her to get the courage for us to drive out there now I think when we got there it was not quite dark yet. We found the location. It's about a quarter of a mile. I talk about this in the book. It's about a quarter of a mile hike up a hill to this old cemetery. Uh, and so we get up there with flashlights. Um, I think we had some mag flashlights. I had a voice recorder. Um, you know, we're just walking around and a lot of the cemeteries are just old wooden slats. I mean, this is the, I think the 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 last year someone was laid to rest there was 1915. So when you say wooden slats, do you mean a fence or the markers? The grave markers were wooden. The grave markers yeah. were wooden, yes. Yeah. And uh, some of the cemeteries, you know, of course, we're trying to be respectful. We're not trying to walk on any of the, but it's really difficult to navigate. And I mean, this is nighttime, you know. We're hearing the coyotes howl. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's really no one, nobody out there. It's early November. We're walking around and we're just exploring. Uh, we're really just checking things out. We walked all around kind of the perimeter of that place before it really got dark. Um, no, there was not a soul in sight. No cars. Um, you know, there's people that go out there and shoot guns. There's people that ride four wheelers. There was nobody in sight for miles. And you're up on, you know, a mountainside and you can see the whole valley. We didn't see a soul in sight, not a single car, not an ATV, not a single person. Uh, so, you know, we made our way around the cemetery. It's getting dark. Um, we were there maybe 30, 45 minutes just kind of exploring, carrying a voice recorder, you know, asking questions. Nothing really was happening. Um, I'm well, hoping you don't know that for sure until you play it back sometimes. Right? Well, that's a good point. <laughs> you never really know until you go back and analyze the voice recorder, right? Uh, and see what you captured. On this particular occasion, I really didn't capture anything on the recorder. I had a mag flashlight. And as you make your way to the, I mentioned the, the hill. As you make your way, you trek up this hill to the top where the cemetery sits. 
there's a wooden sign. It just simply says Merker Cemetery. So, you know, as we're making our way around and just kind of walking around the cemetery, I was asking some questions. Uh, there's a little trick with the mag flashlight. If you loosen the front of it, um, you know, and you just put a little pressure, it'll illuminate. Or, and a lot of people are going to say, hey, that's not a, a sound, you know, paranormal uh, kind of, you know, oh, wait a so explain, explain that. So you loosen the connect the connection. So it's not making contact. Right. You just, you just the, kind of, power. right. So you just kind of loosen the front of the mag flashlight. So it's kind of a loose connection. And so it just takes a little bit of pressure for that thing to illuminate. Well, it's just a little trick that, you know, I saw some people doing it in the van. I thought I would give it a try. I'm not going to say that, you know, Anything that I experienced with that, I'm not going to say, hey, that's paranormal. But, you know, I'm just kind of exploring at this point. Yeah. So uh, we decide we're going to we're about ready to make our way back out of the cemetery. And uh, before we do, I go back up to the marker sign. I've been trying this flashlight trick. Nothing. Absolutely nothing's happening. And I start asking questions one last time with the flashlight. And I ask uh, if anybody's there with us to illuminate the flashlight. Well, within a second of that, I get the flashlight illuminated. Uh, so, you know, the flashlight's on. Uh, waited about 10 seconds or so, and I asked uh, whoever was there with us to turn the flashlight off. And sure enough, flashlight within a second or two turned off. And that happened probably, we, that went on, that interaction for probably maybe about 30 seconds to a minute. How is your wife reacting at this point? She's scared. <laughs> she is scared. She's ready to go. Um, you know, we're hearing coyotes off in the distance. Um, she's hearing a few noises. And this is where it gets a little bit creepy. All right. Um, so as we're doing the flashlight thing, she says, okay, I think we've had enough of the flashlight thing. Let's make our way back down the hill. And really, just as she says that, I start hearing what sounds like a person casually whistling, just like in a jovial manner, like you might hear someone walking down the street, you know, they're in a good mood, they're whistling, you know, just real relaxed kind of way, just kind of whistling in a jovial manner. Literally whistling past the graveyard. <laughs> so it would seem, it sounded like somebody just on a stroll whistling and so, of course, I'm shining the flashlight around the cemetery. You know, there's a lot of juniper trees around, um, a lot of foliage, so it's hard to see, you know, too far ahead of you. It's dark. And, you know, I continued, and I caught this. Now, I did say I didn't catch anything on the voice recorder, so I guess I kind of lied, because I did catch the the whistling. Uh, and so, you know, my my first thought, my skeptical mind wants to make sense of it, and I'm like, well, that's got to be a bird, right? a bird or something. Um, but, you know, this went on for, I don't know, probably 20, 30 seconds. We're hearing the whistling and my wife's already tugging on my hand and my arm trying to pull me to, down the hill and uh, for us to make a quick retreat. Um, but the whistling went on for, you know, a good 30 seconds to a minute. I captured it on voice recorder. And then when I play it back, I say, <laughs> That sounds just like a person just casually whistling. Was there, you say casually, but was there a was there a recognizable melody to it, or what? Or, I mean, in other words, 
can we eliminate a bird because a bird can sing beautifully, but doesn't necessarily carry a tune the way we do. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, it almost sounds like, sounded like someone kind of trying to whistle a tune. Um, uh, I can't say that for sure, <laughs> you know, it wasn't that, oh, that Susanna it, or, you know, anything recognizable. Right. Um, but it certainly sounded like, clearly sounded like a person whistling and, uh, you know, not a bird or anything else. So, uh, so those two experiences, and this is before I ever got involved in the paranormal group. So of course it's kind of, this kind of wet my appetite to explore further. Uh, we made our way out of the cemetery. It was dark again, not a soul in sight. Uh, and, uh, we made fairly quick retreat after that. Cause you know, of course my wife's thinking, are there squatters out there? Mm, good point. Good point. <laughs> you know, so, Curry going to take a quick time out. We'll come back and uh, explore further. Curry Stegan is the author of walking in the shadows of strangers and host of passion for the paranormal podcast. Stand by for more. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Serrett's Strange Planet. Strange Planet. Curry Stegan is with us, retired U.S. Air Force Reserve um, officer. Is that the right term? Were you an officer? Yes, that is correct. Uh, 25 years in the uh, U.S. Air Force Reserves? Uh, 12 years active duty and another 13 on the reserve side. The book is Walking in the Shadows of Strangers, My Journey into the Paranormal, and he's the host of Passion for the Paranormal podcast, now in its uh, fifth year. Um, so we were talking about, this is prior to your joining a paranormal investigation group and you went up to this abandoned, uh, mining town and with your, uh, your brave wife, who sounds like a tremendous good sport. <laughs> and, uh, you were exploring in this cemetery and had some interesting experiences. One, an experiment with a flashlight that ghost hunters and investigators will be familiar with. And uh, you believe you you captured a, perhaps a ghost trying to whistle, um, and you captured that you heard it with your your naked ear, shall we say? And you also captured it on your recording device. So that that wet your appetite sufficiently. Is that at that point you decided that you were going to join a paranormal investigation team? Yeah, as I said, my sister-in-law was already working with a group, and she had uh, already talked to me about possibly joining the group. And so I just went on the website, filled out the online questionnaire. And, uh, of course, my sister had already talked to me about the group members. So I got invited into 
an outing, and this was late November time frame, same year. I just talked about uh, the Marker Cemetery experience and got invited to go on an investigation uh, up Ogden Canyon here. Uh, and I can mention the name because they do public events there, paranormal events. It's the Great Cliff Lodge. And so went along with the team and I was just kind of along for the ride. Um, I was a, more or less a guest, uh, wasn't even a member at that point. They're just kind of filling me out. Uh, and I was really impressed with the fact that this group uh, never was quick to jump to anything being paranormal. And uh, so what I mean by that is if there's a sound, uh, some sort of weird sound that somebody mentions, a knock, they always were trying to seek out what may have been normal about it before uh, as I've heard said many times, try and determine the normal before you ever go to the paranormal. So they were all, you know, and that was the big kind of thing they hammered home on the investigation is we always try to debunk before we ever go towards anything, something being paranormal. So I was pretty impressed with the group, the way they operated, uh, and the fact that, you know, they really had a, a procedure, a process for way they went about doing an investigation. So again, I was just kind of sitting there along for the lot, the ride, learning how do they place equipment. Uh, you know, I quickly learned that, you know, you don't make any, any bodily function noises, anything without first no whispering because they've got recorders placed in different parts of the location. If you whisper, then, you know, First of all, they want to rule out any normal sound. So you talk at a normal volume. If you have a bodily function, you own it. You just say, hey, that was me. And, and you know, these, it's amazing, Richard, what the sensitivity level of some of these recorders and what they can pick up. So uh, I was really impressed with the group. I, I you know, quickly kind of just you know, took to learning with their processes and how they carry out investigations. And, you know, within the first couple of, uh, you know, times I went along with them as just a guest, I was a member shortly after that, a member in training and going along on other investigations. What's and, your, uh, what's your role? Uh, I mean, do, is the team kind of, I mean, do you have specialists? Do you have, I mean, some investigation teams have a psychic, medium psychic. Some have, you know, you have a tech person. Uh, what was your role? Uh, I was simply an investigator for a while. And then after I was with the group for a while, they actually made me a lead investigator. And I actually led investigations. Uh, I didn't have any other specific role. Now, we had a historian in the group did the historical research on locations. Uh, we had a, a director and a deputy director and a director of technology. And uh, it was a guy who was a double E, uh, an electronics engineer. So he was the right guy to have as your tech guy. Uh, and uh, so, you know, there were different roles in the group. Uh, and uh, the rest of the group members were just simply investigators. Anything so, unusual? Did you observe anything unusual at Gray Lodge? Uh, at Greycliff, 
Play clip. A couple, Play clip. Yeah, yeah. A couple of times, and I actually captured an EVP, which was the very first one I ever captured. Uh, I was sitting at the bar. Now, this is in a very old restaurant, and it uh, it actually used to be owned by a wealthy family, the McKay family, which uh, were the donors, big donors to the McKay D Hospital here in Ogden. And uh, it was a summer retreat for them, a summer home. And then they passed it down. I, I can't remember all of the history. I think they sold it to another family, if I remember right. And the, that family ended up turning it into a restaurant. And uh, so the location goes all the way back to, I believe, 1912 uh, when it was built. But uh, it's a very old building, a very old restaurant now. And uh, so it's been a restaurant, I want to say, since the mid to late 40s. Uh, and uh, the story I was told, uh, and I guess we dug into the research on this a little bit, was that uh, when there were accidents along the canyon road there in Ogden Canyon, uh, there were times when people who were injured or even killed in an accident in the canyon were brought to the lodge uh, to be cared for. Uh, and so there, there was some history there. There's also some Native American, supposed Native American sightings around that location there. So there, there was some history. And, and you know, I can't, you know, I, I can't say that uh, I, I can vouch for all of the history there, or the, the stuff I just mentioned. Uh, but I did have an experience when I was sitting at the bar there with my recorder. Now, this didn't happen. Of course, this is when you go back and you review audio. I had a flashlight in my hand. I set it up on the bar asking questions and I had a male voice that came through. There were two two other people in the bar with me. Uh, and there was a male voice that came through on the recorder that said something about the flashlight. And to me, it sounded like flash the flashlight. Uh, what two of the other group members could agree with me on is that something flashlight was said. Uh, I, I, aside from that, I mean, to me, it sounded like, and that's kind of the problem you get into sometimes with EVP work is sometimes, uh, you know, we call them class A EVPs. You'll hear something that is clear vocal tone and it's clear what's being said. Uh, and everybody hears the same thing. And then you'll get another one where there's some kind of variation in what people hear. I think we all agreed that at least uh, the word flashlight was somewhere in that EVP that was captured. Uh, me and another guest were sitting in the dining room uh, and uh, our uh, the guy that we were paired up with in the group uh, was holding one of those shoulder cams or was carrying one of those shoulder cam uh, cameras you kind of put over your, your shoulder there. And he walked away and went over to the bar area and we were sitting there and we watched a strange kind of greenish light just go across. Again, there you go with the green lights. I don't know what it is about the green lights. We watched this strange kind of green light just kind of streak across the wall. And we not both through the not through the not through the camera lens. You saw it with your naked eye. Yes, this was with the naked eye. Uh, and so sometimes you'll get cars passing through the canyon and the car lights will flash against the wall. Uh, there were no cars. Of course, we got up to verify. But 
But anyways, when the cars are passing by, they're not green lights, but it was just kind of this weird green light that flashed across the wall there. Um, a few other phantom noises and such, uh, but that was about it for the night. And then again, when I went back and analyzed the Bush recorder, I had that male voice on there. So typically with a group, what we do is uh, we don't tell other group members what we're hearing. Because you don't want to give them that preconceived notion, right, of what you hear. Okay, so I heard this. Now you're already preconditioning that person to. And you can't unhear it once someone says it. You can't. Right. You cannot unhear it. So I won't tell other people whenever I hear something uh, of interest when I'm reviewing audio. Uh, because you don't want to put have that you know, condition that person to, to hear the same thing that you're hearing. So, uh, you know, loop the audio, uh, play it back for other group members. And that's kind of the process we do. And then we have a website where other members can go on and, you know, they can make their comments. Um, but the initial person capturing the audio, uh, as a general rule of thumb, we just say, hey, I've got an, uh, something of interest here. And uh, we let the other group members, you know, listen to it and, you know, see what they hear, uh, uh, you know, let them analyze it uh, and then get back with what, what they, you know, what they hear. All right. We'll take another time out, but I'm just in, in parting and then we'll come back. But in parting, I would, to me, that would almost be secondary. Like, did the ghost say hockey stick or did the ghost say fish tank it doesn't matter i mean <laughs> you have captured perhaps you know uh the dis discarnate voice uh, a spirit voice on tape that to me would be par of paramount importance and what they actually said and whether it was grammatically correct <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be secondary all right back with more of my conversation with uh, curry stegan right here on strange planet Curry Stegan is a retired Air Force Reserve officer and the host of Passion for the Paranormal podcast. How do we listen, Curry? How do we find uh, it? Pretty much anywhere you can you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, uh, Spreaker, pretty much on all of them. So I think I think I'm up right. to uh, 114 episodes now on the show. Fantastic. All right. And uh, the book is Walking in the Shadows of Strangers, My Journey into the Paranormal. Do um, you want to maybe share with us one case or investigation that's in the book that, um, I don't know, maybe continues to shock, surprise, blow your mind? Well, I'll, uh, I talk about one location that uh, the the paranormal group has visited and uh, some members of the paranormal group have visited this location uh, probably in the neighborhood of about 30, 40 different times. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I'm not at liberty to mention this specific location other than to say it's an old abandoned hotel uh, and uh, it's in Wyoming. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and uh, we made so many trips up there. I think I probably investigated the location maybe, I don't know, 12 to 14 times. Uh, so a number of times, a number of different experiences. 
but it's not just my experiences, it's the totality of the experiences all the group members have had at this location. So uh, you can run the gamut at this location of pretty much all the different types of paranormal experiences you can expect that if you're a paranormal investigator, you would have. Um, anywhere from seeing apparitions, disembodied voices, phantom footsteps, knocks, bangs, uh, people being touched, people getting, you know, there's even been a few occasions, I think, where people have had their hair pulled, tugged and nail. Richard, I'm not the type of person that goes to the demonic side. I never have. Uh, and so I'm not going to make the leap that I think anything dark was going on at the location. Uh, I just think it's the totality of experiences that all the group members had there. Um, perhaps it's a ghost trying to get your attention or, you know, maybe perhaps at times we were annoying them. And that's why, you know, uh, there's, there are people that are ornery while they're alive, and maybe that doesn't change when they cross over. There's still that ornery person, or a mischievous, or a mis mis mischievous person, or um, a practical joker, or whatever. Right, and yeah, maybe they just carry those personalities on into the into the afterlife. But so many different experiences. I had many. So just uh, in. In terms of the, the number of EVPs I cataloged at that location, uh, which I would consider ones that I couldn't, there was no explanation for uh, what was captured. Probably uh, a good handful, maybe eight or 10 of them were intelligent. And when I say intelligent, it seemed to be a response to something we were doing in the environment or in the location. Uh, I'm setting up equipment I capture a female voice with another female investigator, mind you, but I capture another voice that is clear and distinct, a female voice that says, what are you guys doing? As I'm setting up wow. equipment, I've had my name called. I've been called names <laughs> uh, a few times on a few occasions, um, but so many other things, power drains, Brand new batteries and equipment. We go into the location and the batteries just unexplainably drain, whether it's our voice recorders, our cameras, our EMF devices. Uh, it's just so many different experiences. I've witnessed self-illuminated balls of light. Now, let me tell you one thing I never experienced there that a few other group members have experienced, and that is seeing an apparition. I have never, and to this day, I've never experienced seeing a full-body apparition. I've seen shadows, but I don't think that qualifies as an apparition. So uh, there's, I want to say, three or four different group members who have seen either a half-body apparition or a full-body apparition at that location. But So just so many different experiences, uh, and... Uh, I mean, I could go for hours just talking about the experiences I've had and the groups had at that one location. Uh, this Outlaw and Lawman's Jail Museum is, uh, it's its a jail that's been there in Cripple Creek since, uh, I want to say it opened in like 1902. And uh, phenomenal location. Uh, I had many experiences myself while we were there. 
uh, I captured EVPs in the basement. I captured them in the main cell block. I captured EVPs in the matron's quarter. And uh, if you don't mind, if we have a minute, I'll share one sto other story uh, that happened in the matron matron's quarters. If I if we have time, yeah, please. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. So uh, upstairs in the matron's quarters, there I think there were three or four of us in there, and uh, there was a female sitting uh, on one of the chairs close to the door, holding a voice recorder, kind of close to her leg, uh, kind of out in front of her, and. Uh, Suddenly she said, well, that's weird. It just felt like something tugged on the voice recorder. Uh, and she said, I don't know. You know, some people get energy. They feel something. She said, I think this is a child. Now, I don't have an explanation about why a child would be there in an old jailhouse. Uh, but what happened after that is pretty remarkable. And so... We had uh, we had one of those mag flashlights sitting up on the table, and so I said, "Well, let's 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 test this, and you know, let's ask some questions. Uh, you you would ask a child." And so I asked uh, if the child wanted to play Simon Says, and uh, so shortly after I said that, we felt like the table in front of us got bumped. I mean, it was literally, you could hear the sound, the flashlight went on. And what's even more remarkable about this is I'm going back and playing my voice recorder. And I hear what sounds like a little boy say immediately, probably a second after I asked the question, said, okay, after I asked if he wanted to play Simon said, no. Richard, there's no children in the building with us. We're all adults, uh, you know, and it was clearly what, I mean, it clearly sounded like the voice of a young boy. Um, I, I don't know how else to explain that. What's really cool is one, the one person had the experience with the tug on the recorder. We heard what sounded like the table getting bumped and then I captured that EVP all within a span of maybe about, I don't know, 10, 20 seconds. Wow, that's pretty yeah. remarkable. And I captured a male voice in response. And let me tell you what I think it says, Richard. <laughs> Again, flashlight. Time to turn off the flashlight. And uh, the other thing interesting, uh, the, the first person I played the EVP to was my sister-in-law, and she was on that, that uh, trip with me. There was about seven or eight of us. And so once again, I looped it, did not tell her what was said, and uh, she heard the exact same thing. The very strange thing about that EVP is it's kind of got this digital sound to it. And I don't know how to, you know, I think talking with Greg Lawson the other night, he may say, well, that's just an artifact. <laughs> the, to me, uh, I don't, that's an intelligent response. Uh, I had a flashlight and it has context. It has it context. Has context. It's, not saying, it's not just saying, I think I'll ride my bicycle. It's responding. You know, it's using the words flashlight. It, there's a context there. So it, it tends to suggest there's an intelligence right. there and it's present. Right. And so that was one of the very first EVPs I ever captured. And it was a sentence. So uh, I know we're getting short on time here. 
a lot of the EVPs that I capture may be one or two words. There are a few that are sentences. There are some where maybe we have a name there. Um, you know, a handful of them, I'd say maybe 20% of them may be intelligent, seem to be intelligent. That's what's remarkable about this. And that's what I go back to me having experiences early on in this uh, that really, again, far exceeded my expectations of what would happen when I went out and did this stuff. So um, pretty remarkable that, you know, I captured that only on my second visit. Now, not much else happened that night. Uh, but the fact that I was able to capture that EVP to me was uh, was pretty amazing. People can can wait a lifetime to, to hear just one or to have one experience. And you've had multiple, multiple, many of which are in the book, Walking in the Shadows of Strangers, My Journey into the Paranormal. And of course, we have the Passion for the Paranormal podcast. Uh, and uh, all the links are in the description, the episode notes. Hey, Curry, great to meet you. Thank you so much Richard, for hanging thank out. thank you so much for having me. Uh, been a coast-to-coast -coast listener for a long time. I'm a coast-to-coast uh, -coast insider. I love hearing your interviews on coast. So it was uh, great to meet you. And uh, once again, thanks for having me join you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure.